It is good to be uh, amongst friends. Um, it's good to be in the body of Jesus Christ, but to actually like, to, to know that you guys are here for me and I'm here for you guys. So we're kind of in this together to, to feel support, to feel uh, fellowship, to actually talk to people. Because um, I am zoomed out, to be honest with you. Like there's just like a brink of, of Zoom that I have taken in where I'm like, if I, if I have a little bit more of Zoom, I, I don't know what will happen, but something might just happen. Like emotionally, psychologically, I don't know. But it's a, it's a good platform, and um, we're, we're thankful to God for it. I wanted to, to share with you um, a little bit about gifts. Uh, we are in a series called Practical Christianity, right? I'm sure everyone's well aware of that. You guys, you know, tracked us through when we were doing just YouTube. And uh, Practical Christianity had, I think, seven sermons. This is the last one. And this sermon is going to, I'm going to try to practically speak to you about gifts. Uh, gifts of the Spirit. Um, Lord, help me. And Lord, help us to, 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 to just, because f- this topic is, is pretty interesting. A very uh, big topic in the Bible. I have two gifts in my uh, life from my childhood that I still have to this day. Um, One gift is slowly, actually quickly maybe, losing value, and uh, it's becoming, it's literally degrading um, into, I don't know what metal becomes, but like little pieces of metal or something, but it's still there. Um, And then this other gift that I have, it is actually increasing in value. Maybe not in your eyes, but in my eyes, it's hanging in my room, and every single year, it increases in value. Like, and if someone were to say, Andre, I want to buy that gift from you, I would say, you're going to have to pay a lot of money for right now. And there's going to come a time where I'm be like, I can't sell it. And I, I just know it uh, because the exponential growth that this gift has for me, it just, I, I, I enjoy it. But it wasn't always this way. I remember I was maybe eight years old when I got that first gift that's quickly degrading. It was a bicycle, blue and yellow. And just simple, not like a, it's like one of the simplest bikes you can get. Amazingly, we still have it in our house. I do not know how this happened. There's just no explanation for a bike to to be in our house for that long. If you guys know, I have nine brothers and sisters that are younger than me. And so when we get a bike or anything, anything that like moves or stuff, it, it quickly breaks down and we have to throw it away. This bike still drives. The wheels are different. I'm sure the chain is, is different. Like every component is different, probably except the, the spokes and the frame because you just, you can't like, it's metal, you know, but it still drives. It's still there. And I was, we were actually, I remember this because we were giving a bike to my little brother for his birthday last Sunday. It was a red bike and I just got a flashback. I'm like, I remember that. And he was so happy. It was just, and I was like, I remember being that happy about this bike that's laying somewhere in our backyard and uh, I still have it, but it's, it's like if someone were to throw it away or to come to me and say, Andre, I'm sorry, like this bike is, is gone, I'd be like, eh, I, I don't really care, you know. Um, it just, it's been through a lot, and it means, maybe it means um, something to me because it's, it's old, but there's just, we have so much bikes that I don't know. But then there's this other gift. It's a picture. 
And it's a picture of two disciples walking towards uh, Emmaus after Jesus' death and resurrection. And so Jesus is actually, I think, walking there with them. And I, I honestly, I've looked at this picture so much and I still can't paint it to you. But it's a famous picture from what I understand because I've seen the same picture in other houses. I got it when I was 12. And my mom and dad wrote uh, on the back and basically their whole like writing was like, Andre, we hope you get saved. That was kind of the message. It was much more nicely put, but it was like, Andre, just like these men, and I'm, I know the message because sometimes I take it off and I flip it around and I read it, and I'm like, man, that's so sweet because it just means so much to me. Um, it's like just as they're going to the city and, you know, they were kind of blinded to Jesus, but Jesus finally uh, allowed them to see him. We hope that you see him or something like this, and I saw him. I saw the light. I got saved. Jesus personally became my Savior, my Lord. And, and that gift that's hanging on my wall, actually right on top of my bed, it means a lot to me because it was given by, by someone whom I love dearly. And it, um, to them it meant a lot. At that time when I got it, I didn't really care about it. I was like, honestly, I remember the time when I got it. I wasn't too happy with that gift to be honest with you guys. I know you're supposed to, and I showed, like, I'm a, I'm a pretty polite person. I was like, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a picture. But imagine a 12-year-old boy getting a picture that says, we hope you get saved, or something like that. But I, I you know, like, I got other gifts, I'm sure, but it wasn't like a blast for me. Um, that, that gift wasn't a blast, but it is a blast now. Uh, there's something about gifts, something about receiving something that you don't deserve, right, that I don't deserve, that I didn't pay for, that is, it brings warmth into our hearts. It, 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 it gives us feelings that we haven't experienced before. And today I'd like to talk about gifts and specifically spiritual gifts, all right? We know that there's spiritual gifts in the Bible. And gifts, the first thing I would like to, to a question I'd like to ask is what is a gift? Well, by definition, right, a gift is something you got probably for free. It's a pretty messed up gift if you had to pay for it or, you know, you had to give something back. So usually it's like, you know, your birthday or whatever, you get it for free. So it doesn't really cost you anything, but it did cost someone something. Someone had to buy it. Someone had to go to the store. Someone had to sit on eBay for an hour and just go through stuff and be like, what on earth does this person want? And then finally, like think that this is it and buy it. So someone had to pay for it. Uh, when we're talking about spiritual gifts, we understand that we didn't pay anything for them, but there is someone, and it talks about him in the Bible, who it says he went up into heaven and he brought back gifts for men. Plinio, it's, it's, it's a different topic, but it, it talks about how Jesus, it basically just to summarize it, Jesus, he came after his death, up to heaven, and after he was in heaven, he was given these gifts, or he was allowed to take these gifts from God, and it says he gives these gifts to us. I'm going to go through some verses. I'm not going to be reading them, but I'm just going to, to say them. You can rewatch this, I'm sure, and like Google that, and you'll find these verses in the Bible. So, so Jesus is the one, or, or God is the one who is offering these gifts to us. Um, just, just like an interesting fact, there's about like 20 gifts. Some people say like 23 or, you know, mentioned in the Bible. And there are four lists that have these gifts. So 1 Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, and 1 Peter. Now, 
one thing that helped me when I would look at the Bible and be like, okay, this is interesting. This is like a serious issue I had. And I still kind of, whenever I struggle with this, I fall back on this idea that I don't know who gave it to me, but it, it's, um, it's healthy. It's a very biblical idea. So when, when you're looking at a list, and I'm looking at a list in the Bible and says, so the gifts are apostles, teachers, preachers, um, miracle workers, and this, five gifts. And then I switch, I go to another book, and then I read another list, and it has like 12 um, different gifts, and like two of the last ones aren't mentioned there. And I'm like, wait. So is it this, is this list right or is that list right? And then I go to another author like Peter and then he has his own list. And I'm like, okay, so is Peter's list right or uh, Paul's list right? Well, the truth is all of their lists are correct. Here is something that helped me is when, whenever you have that in the Bible or with anything else in the Bible, when it seems like there's a contradiction, the Bible doesn't contradict itself, right? The Bible complements itself, all right? The Bible complements itself. So whenever you, you come to a place and you're like, this sounds like it's almost going against it, it's complementing itself. And when I look at Bible issues in that way, in that light, it brings a lot more clarity to a lot more places. And you try that out. Next time you have that, try to, try to see, okay, what is the Bible trying to add on? It's a story. It's a picture that's being painted for us. And so from these four lists, we have a combination of these 20-something gifts. Here's a question for you. Why would you care? Why would I care? Why should you care about gifts? And, and the, the answer is, is pretty simple. First of all, is because you, as a believer, have at least one of these gifts. So that should be a pretty big reason why you should at least care about this sermon. So there, there's a gift that you have, like in you. It's already there. God's already blessed you with it. He's created you in such a way that he made sure this gift would like blossom in your life, in my life. But unfortunately, a lot of believers and a lot of people, they never come to the point where they start to understand their gift or gifts, it could be multiple gifts, and to use them where they're meant to be used. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, listen to this. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then um, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is known as the chapter of the gifts. And then it goes on to talk about all these gifts, just a, a number of gifts. But notice that word, third word, each. But to each one is given. So not just to a certain group of people, not just to a certain breed of Christians. No, no. Every single believer has this thing. It's, it, it is a gift. It's, we didn't earn it but has at least one gift. That's a theological statement. That's like, that's doctrine right there. So what that means for you and for me is that if you are walking in your gift, if you have understood, and we're going to talk about how do I understand what my gift is? Like, how do I know? And let me tell you, I don't know what my gifts are uh, as of right now. Like, I might think I see like one or two, but I'm just beginning. But these are concepts that other men of God, uh, uh, just Bible verses, reading things, and you're like, 
This is probably the healthiest way to figure out what my gifts are. We're going to talk about that. But for you to be interested, I think you should know that you have at least one. You could have five. Seriously. You could have seven. You could have two. You could have three. Or you could have one. And my hope, and I, I hope that your desire is for you to realize what that gift is and to start to live it out for the glory of Jesus. Let's talk about this. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. And uh, he, here's what it says from verse 11. And he gave some as apostles. So it talks about a list of gifts right here. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Uh, so Paul says, God gives to the people these, in this list, there's five gifts. And he says, for this reason. So this is another reason why we should care about spiritual gifts and why we should desire to know what mine is. Verse 12 has two points why, why we should care. Another two points, I guess. For the equipping of the saints. For the equipping of the saints. So it gives you the list. Paul says, this is the list of, of gifts uh, that God gives us. Why does he give it to us? For the equipping of the saints. So the first thing that your gift does is it allows other believers to grow. It allows other believers to mature. It allows other believers to get stronger in Christ, in the church. And then we read, for the work of service. Meaning, actually, now, now going out into the world and doing something. To preach, to evangelize, to, to buy someone a motel room, to pay for someone's food. And then to, to share the gospel with them, of course. Not just doing good things and, and you know, not to talking about Jesus. But, but that is another reason why we have the gifts. Certain gifts in certain people. So, we have these gifts for the equipping of the saints, meaning so that you can help others in the church. Saints are people that are saved. Us, we are saints, right? It's hard, it's hard to believe sometimes, but that's what the Bible calls us. You and I are saints. And then, for the work of service, meaning for evangelizing, for missions, for just being a good Christian at your work. You have something, I have something, and you might have a couple of those things, a couple of those gifts that will allow you to be very effective in your, in, at your work, in your school, just in life, or in the mission field, or talking with you know, your neighbors, but you might have one of these gifts that will allow you to be very effective for the glory of God. And then if we continue on, um, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, verse 13, and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children. And that is the third point. Verse 14, so that we, or 14, so that we no longer might be children. So... Your gift, listen, listen to this. Your gift, this is what it does. It allows other people around you to grow if you use it. It allows you to reach others for Christ if you use it. And it can allow you as a believer to grow. Like it says, um, so that we may no longer, 
be children. As a result, we are no longer children. I mean, this is, this is, I don't know if you guys are, are you guys following me? Like, this is phenomenal. So this, your gift, is, it's not just like, okay, you could take it, you could leave it, it's up to you. Honestly, like, it doesn't matter because it's a gift, you know, just be polite about it. Just be like, God, thank you for giving it to me, and that's it. That, that's not what it is. This place says, verse 13, verse 12, 13, and 14, that your gift has like a serious purpose for your life. This is how you and I are going to serve God. This is how you and I will be effective in the church, outside of the church, and in our own spiritual walk with God by our gifts and by how well we use our gifts. Do we know our gifts? Are we walking in our gifts? That's going to determine how successful we are in these three things. Honestly, if you, if you listen carefully, what else can you do outside of these three things? Like, what's really important outside of these three things? To edify one another, encourage, you know, love people in the church, to serve those outside the church, and to grow spiritually. Like, what else is there to Christianity that you need to be a good believer? Honestly, very little. Like, that is kind of Christianity in a nutshell. To be successful, we need to talk about spiritual gifts. So, and one last thing I'll talk about why gifts are important before we talk about how can I know what my gift is. Um, there's, you guys know Abraham Lincoln? Some of you. you there you go. My man, my man loves history, and I love history as well. So for those who love history and know Abraham Lincoln, he was one of our, uh, one of our presidents, um, did a couple of things in his life, kind of like a big dude in, uh, in America. He, he gave this address, Gettysburg Address, in 1863. They basically had a, a fat battle, three days, a bunch of people died. I think it was like 50,000, one of the bloodiest battles of the Civil War. And this was how he finished his address. Why I want to read this to you is because it's going to help you. It's going to help me see why we need to care about gifts. Here's what he says. This nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government, listen to this. Just, just listen carefully, please. Of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth. That is a healthy, well-rounded phrase right there. Of the people, by the people, for the people. And I don't know if it's a coincidence, but when you look at scriptures, that is literally how gifts work. And that is why we should care again. It is of the people, meaning it is comprised of the church. Like people in the church carry these gifts, exercise these gifts, and they do it for the people in the church and outside the church, by the people. We're going to talk about this later, but just listen to this. Your gift will be confirmed by people in the church. So when he was saying by the people, he was literally saying this government is going to be from the people, and it's going to be put there by the people. Like people are going to vote, basically. And then for the people, it's going to be for the church. Um, that way, in this way, it will not perish from the earth. So how do you know your gift? And a question I would like to, to ask actually is, do you know your gift? If you think you know your gift, can you please give your hand a raise? Just seriously, like just high, nice and high so I could see. 
So maybe like 7%, is that a hand? Because if that's a hand, it's gonna be like 9%. Seven, it's 7%, around 7%, maybe seven and a half, which is okay. Which is like, that, that's, that's where we are. We are Christians. We are on a journey. We're trying to, to be the best believers we can. So let's talk about gifts. How do you and I know what my gift is? David Wilkerson once said this. He said, and we're going to touch on this later. All true ministry comes from intimacy. Did you guys get that? All true ministry comes from intimacy. That's, that's a pretty, like, solid statement in the sense that, like, are you sure, David Wilkerson? All true ministry comes from intimacy. You guys know what I'm talking about, about intimacy? Intimacy with Christ. So closeness, relationship with Christ. David Wilkerson says all true ministry sprouts from that. It has to come from that. So let's talk about this. Um, in my life, these are three things that I look at to see, is something my calling, is something my gift or not? Firstly, and I'm, I'm just going to share them and then we're going to go after uh, all three of them. Firstly, inner desire. Secondly, outward confirmation. And thirdly, open doors. Inner desire, outward confirmation, and open doors. If you guys want, I, I would take note of this stuff because this stuff's been helping a lot of people. I did not come up with this. This is like a, other people like talking and stuff. And I'm like, wait, so it's, it's really more, more practical than just an angel appearing to me and telling me what I'm supposed to do? Because honestly, that is kind of the, the mindset, I guess, that um, many of us might have is that, is that for me to know my gift, for me to know my calling, what do I need? I need an angel to come down and to tell me what I'm supposed to do. And that's, that's correct, isn't it? Not really. To be, to be honest with you, not really. It doesn't always work with that. In fact, usually, it doesn't work like that. And, if, and if, if I will just sit in my room waiting for an angel to come down and tell me what to do in the church of God, in the kingdom of God, you know what will happen? I'll become a couch potato. I'll sit there for the rest of my life. No angel will appear to me. And I'm just going to waste my life. I'll never get to it. So God works in a, in a lot of practical ways. And that's something that I've been learning uh, recently. God works in just natural, practical ways. He works through you and through me. He works through sermons, through songs. He works through encouragement. He works through us. And he does that so that we can grow together in Christ and glorify his name. So let's talk about the first thing, inner desire. The first thing is inner desire. One good way to know what my calling is, is do I have a desire to do this or not? Now, this is not always true because you might uh, be doing something that you were like voluntold to do, right? Like forced to do, like you were just in a meeting somewhere and someone has just like caught you and you, you're trying to get away and someone's like, hey, and you're like, I, I can't hear you. And then they like, they ran after you and they grabbed you and they're like, you're going to, we need you to do this. And you're like, oh, yes, yes, let's do this. I'm excited. I'm pumped. Let's go. And that, that could also be a way that God kind of, you know, gets a hold of you and shows you what you ought to do. But usually you have a natural desire to do something. 
So firstly, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. Firstly, you have to be saved. That, that's going to be point number zero. Because when we're talking about gifts, we're talking about people that are believers. They know God. And now they want to be useful for the kingdom of God. They don't want to get to heaven and be embarrassed, like, you know, not look into God's eyes. Because they really didn't do anything on earth. And they, they made it to heaven, but that's about it. So, so when we're talking about this, we're talking about believers. As a believer... There are some things that we're inclined to do, some things we're not as inclined to do. And then a lot of times when we talk about our gifts or ministry or callings, a lot of times you don't feel like doing something, and you should be doing it. Uh, Here's a story. Um, You guys know Jim Elliott, Elizabeth Elliott? couple of people, you guys seen the movie End of the Spear or something like that? I think it's called End of the Spear, yeah? There's a book called End of the Spear. Well, basically, it's based on a true story. Jim Elliott, Elizabeth Elliott were two missionaries, um, and there was actually a group of them. I think there was like 10 people, and basically, Jim Elliott got speared with four of his buddies when they tried preaching the gospel to a tribal-like uh, people. Um, Akea or Akua or something. And basically, yeah, they, they just got speared to death. What Elizabeth Elliot did, so she has a 10-month-old baby. Her husband just got speared. His four friends got speared. She takes a friend, another uh, wife of, of, uh, of one of these dudes that got speared, and they go back to the very people that killed their husbands, and they spend years there continuing to preach the gospel until these people start to come to God. That, to me, is mind-blowing. Moreover, there there was like a tribal war that happened after that, this tribe after another, and they would have like killed each other. They even mediated between that, like those two little women whose husbands got killed by these tribes are in there between these two tribes, and they basically make them into one tribe. That's like, it's a legit story. You could Google it or whatever. And you look at that and you go, what is it that's driving them? Well, it's desire, but it's more than desire. That's that's why I wanted to share this story with you. Because the desire I'm talking about isn't just like, oh, I feel like doing this today. And then, well, I don't feel like doing this tomorrow, so I'm not going to do it. It's more than that. This is an inner yearning to please God, an inner yearning to do something for the glory of God. And when you do that, when you and I, we come to church and we're like, I don't know what I need to do. I don't know what I can do. I don't know what I'm good at. But hey, I want to be useful to God. I want to live my life in a way that's effective. We, what we have to do and what the Bible encourages us is not to, to wait for angels, not to walk around and say, what, you know, pastor, give me, give me this position because I, I feel like God's calling me for it. That, that's really not what the Bible is calling us to. The Bible calls us to just naturally serve God, like Wilkerson says, have intimacy with him, a relationship with him, and then this desire become, begins to, to like move us towards some place. It begins to lead us into some area of ministry. It begins, begins to lead us to our friends that are outside of the church that don't know Jesus, that have never heard about him, right? It begins to give us wisdom, but it's, it's intimacy. It has to be intimacy with Jesus. There has to be that relationship going, that, that, that conversation going with your Savior. And then this thing just sprouts out, this desire. Again, I, I said that story to really underline the point that I'm not talking about just like, 
I feel like doing this desire, and then I don't feel like doing this, that's not a desire. It's, it's much deeper than that, and it is this yearning to just please God. I want to please God. I want to be right before God, and, and God naturally leads you into some place. In that place where God will lead you, where God leads me, will lead me, you will be the most satisfied, the most joyful, the most fulfilled, period. No questions asked. Outside of that place, you will not have satisfaction. No joy, no happiness. You can have moments of happiness with whatever it is that you do, with your hobby, with your friends. You can have those moments, but true Genuine satisfaction, fulfillment will only come when you and I find ourselves in that place, in the very place that God has created us to be. And that can only come through intimacy with Christ. So, inner desire is number one. Number two is outward confirmation. Do you guys get the the, the words that I'm saying? So, inner desire is inside. Outward, outside, confirmation. Are, you, are, you, are we on the same boat with confirmation? Like someone says like, yes, I think that is your thing to do. And you go, really? And someone says, yeah, man, like that, go for it. And, and, and then another person might say that a, a week later. And then you feel like giving up a month later. And then another person will say it to you. It doesn't have to be people. There's different ways God does it. It could be through the word. It could be through, through prayer. But outward confirmation. Here's the interesting thing. So people are trying to find their niche, their thing, right, in, in church. Or if you're not trying to find it in church, I highly recommend that you get that relationship going with Jesus. You get intimate with him, and I promise you, you'll get that desire. And then the next question will be, let's rewatch the sermon and see how you get to, uh, to know your calling or to know your gifts. But if, if you're there, and if you, you have that relationship with Jesus, that desire is brewing, you're not really sure where to go, Outward confirmation will help you see where to go. Example, I am trying, I, I come up to our, 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 um, our choir director, Roystik, and I say, Roystik, I want to sing a solo real bad. And he goes, he goes okay, let's, let's, let's check you out. I'm like, okay. And so he checks me out. I sing, I hit, I hit all my notes. I'm like, I told you I need to sing the solo. I, I am more than sure that, that Rostik would say, um, you're not going to sing the solo, right? I'm sorry, but we just, we can't do it. We, we have a good thing going here with youth. Like, um, you know, people respect our choir. We don't want our ratings to go down. We don't want, like, people to start, like, you know, calling or texting me during your song. We're, we're just not going to let you sing because it's going to be problematic in all senses. Like, you're just, you're just not there, and I don't know if you will be, will be. So what is that? Is that, is that uh, confirmation or is that rejection? That's rejection, which is a sort of confirmation that that's not my thing to do. Are you guys following with me? So, so then, I, then, I, then I waddle into some other place. But again, I'm, I'm having a relationship with Jesus, so I have a desire to serve, and I, I try something else. And again, I, I might as well get nicely. By the way, in our church... People do these things so nicely. Like if you were to come to Rosik right now, I dare you, someone who, who knows that they don't sing really well and say, Rosik, I really want to sing a solo, um, he'll be the nicest person to you, right? And everyone in our church is like that. They won't beat you down. That's the point of the church. They won't say, no, like you sing ugly. No one is going to say that. 
they will nicely like explain to him, be like, hey, let's do this, let's do that. You won't feel bad, I promise you. So don't, don't feel scared to, like, to, to, to try new ministries, to go to say, I, I want to do this or I want to do that, and, and to do them. Not just to come in there, I don't feel good about this, and I'm out. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. But try it. And we have very godly people in our church who are gracious. They have the wisdom of God. They also have ears in, in terms of roistik, and, and they can hear. And, and they'll tell you very nicely. So confirmation, which is, this, this is something that was really like weird to me. I'm like, okay, so I want to be effective in the church. How do I know if I'm going to, like where my niche is in church? Is by people in the church telling me. And it takes humility. It takes um, obedience, I would say. But that is the way the church of Jesus Christ is structured. Pastors, leaders coming up and saying, or you're coming up to them. And it's all working together that people are just put in the right places. You, we think they're put in the right places by some people. But my belief is, and I see it in scripture, that people are put in places in the true church of Jesus Christ by the head himself. By Jesus Christ. And Jesus using, again, people. Using you and I. Remember how we talked about how we help one another with our giftings? People with discernment. It's a gift. People with the gift of knowledge. It's a gift. People with the gift of leadership. That's a gift. Are, are kind of directing these other people into the right places. By the Spirit of God. And this way the church is just growing up into this beautiful building that is going to be ready for Jesus' second coming. So outward confirmation. One thing I will say is that there's two ways to go about it. I, I will not say that if you're not good at something, just, just forget it. Like, don't do it. Um, I know people that literally could not sing. Okay, could not sing. Um, I have, like, proof of that. They are, they are like mature Christians now. And literally by, I don't know, by the sheer amount of practice, by their persistency, they can sing. Like they will hit every note that is supposed to be hit. They're not, they're not solo level. They're not going to be doing solos. But they will hit every note that needs to be hit. They literally could not do that before. Just baseline. So my, my thought process is, and this is what I see in Scripture, is that you could go about this both ways. You could be a person, let's say again, back to that, that example, that can't sing, and you could say, I want to be at solo. So someone could be born, right? And we're going to talk about this, with just this ability to sing. And all they have to do is like sing five minutes a day, or not even sing five minutes, just open their mouth, and they're perfect. You know, that's, that's their thing, right? There's actually no gift of singing. That's not a gift, that's just... I'm just trying to translate it into, like, youth uh, language. But uh, someone could, could, could just be born like that. They need a little bit of practice, and they're there. Someone else could put in so much time, so much effort, so much tears. Like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And they could maybe get to the baseline level of this other person who was just born. Both their parents sang really well. They sing really good, and they just naturally sing. So you guys get what I'm saying? Are you guys following me? So what I see in Scripture is God kind of uses our character. He uses the way he made us for certain things in the church. 
Like he will, and, and that being said, God will sometimes use people. I read about people all the time that their teachers were like, they're going to be nobodies. The pastors were like, you, you could never be this or that in the church. Like, you know, just please stay away from my church and from my people because you're going to just destroy. You can't, you don't have leadership abilities. You can't preach. You can't do anything. And these people just by, by again, a relationship with Jesus Christ, they would be, I don't know, like brought up by God. These things would be opened up in them and they would be able to speak. They would be able to lead. They would be able to like comfort and to pray and to do all these things that other people thought that they couldn't before. But my, 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 my take on it is both ways are correct. It's not like this way is wrong, this way is right. Like if you, if you are not really good at it and you just continue going at it, that's going to be wrong. I'm not going to say that. But I will say... Uh, probably the smarter way to go about this is the thing that you get confirmed in by the church, by the leaders, by the pastors, is the thing that you should probably be going for. And then lastly, open doors. Open doors. By the way, let me, let me just, I just want to solidify this point, and we're going to be finishing up here, but uh, outward confirmation. So Romans 12, 6, 8, because I felt like I, I say a lot of stuff, but not a lot of scriptures. I have the scriptures here, so I just want to read it to you. Uh, and it actually sides with the option of like, if you're created in such a way, just do that. Like if you have that, do that. Don't try to like find this other thing. Um, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, just listen carefully. Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. So whatever it is that has been given to us, exercise it accordingly. If prophesy according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So basically the Bible says everyone has their niche. Everyone has their thing. As you grow in church, as you just talk with other believers and you kind of figure out what that is, just do that. Do that. You'll be successful. God will bless you. Whatever it is, just do that. Um, and then open doors. Um, I remember uh, J. Vernon McGee set, shared this one interesting story. Basically, a guy in his church who I think wanted, I forget the full story, but I think he wanted to like, you know, I forget what it was, like to lead like a group or something. And it just, he wasn't good at that. Or maybe he wanted to preach or something like that. But he was a businessman. And he did very well with money. And he would, you know, he would always struggle ministry side, but he would give a lot of money to all these really good, faithful ministries. And J. Vernon McGee was like, hey, listen, um, I think, like, this is your niche. Like, I think God uses this for his glory. Um, and this guy was like, he's kind of just doubting it, but he was just more and more successful in business to the point that he would be like buying a piece of land. And this is where his mind changed, this guy's. He, he bought like a big piece of land in the middle of nowhere. Because he, I don't, know, I don't know how it works. I don't know if it still works like this. Because this dude is dead. So this was like 70 years ago this story happened. But he buys a huge piece of land to like write his taxes off. And it so happens that after he buys it, flat in the middle of it, someone decides to build like a large city. And his thing becomes, or like starts to build like skyscrapers or whatever. His thing becomes like flat in the middle of like the most expensive land he's ever owned. Like that you can't own. And, and other things, and this, this preacher is saying other things where he's just like, he's trying to get rid of money. 
He's literally, he's just buying a piece of land out of nowhere, trying to, trying, to, trying to ride some taxes off, and it becomes so valuable, I don't know, 10, 30 times more valuable than, than what it was. And he sells it, he makes more money, but his heart's in the right place, and he gives to the church, he's found his niche, he's probably got that gift of liberality, and he gives liberally, God sees his heart, blesses him, I know who I'm talking to. I know we're, we're Slavic, and so every brother's like, that's my gift right there. Boom, I found it. It's liberality. I'm going to become rich, and I'm going to give to the church. I want to tell you, no, that's not your gift. You don't know it's your gift. You don't know it's your gift. I don't know if that's your gift, okay? So, and I, I want to say a very small percentage probably of you do have that gift. Just because I, I talk with everyone, everyone feels like that's their gift. You, I, I feel like you guys have a lot more diverse gifts than just that one gift of liberality. Brothers, please, you can start a business. You can be a, a mighty man of God at the same time, I assure you. So always, always be open to that, not just, not just that thing. But again, we need that. We need that in the church, I promise you. We need people who have huge businesses who, who give to the church and all that stuff. Um, Mark Dever says this. In the New Testament, just to summarize everything, we don't find our gift through self-examination, introspection, and then find ways to express it. Just, are you following with me? I feel like I'm, I'm losing some of you. So, in the New Testament, we don't find our gifts through self-examination, sitting in your room and just praying and saying, God, open my gift to me, open my gift to me, and introspection, like just thinking, okay, writing things down on a piece. I'm not against that, but like just, just thinking too much about it. And then finding ways to express it. Instead, listen, instead, we love one another. We serve one another. We help one another. And in so doing, we see how God has equipped us to do so. So it's, it's, it's more of like a get out there, get your hands dirty, serve. Like become part of the ministry. If you are not part of the choir, Lord have mercy on you, join that thing. The, the moment this quarantine thing is over, make sure to join the choir. Like and just start with that, okay? And if you can sing, then you have no excuse then of, of not being in choir, right? If your schedule is, is there, and I'm, I know most of our schedules allow it then there's no excuse to not be there. When we're talking about cell groups and uh, encouraging one another, there was, there was this lady when, um, I forget who the pastor was sharing this, but there was this very noble lady. She came to God through, um, uh, I think this pastor's preaching, and she would come to church like three times uh, a year or something, or like once in three months. She was just very, she was orthodox before, so she knew the Bible. She was very, like, well-written, very educated, didn't need anyone's money, didn't need anyone's help, had, like, everything set for her. And at the end of his life, or her life, she had this conversation with her pastor, and she goes, uh, the pastor's like, why don't you come to church more often? Why don't you be with us people more often? And she goes, listen, pastor, to be honest with you, let me be frank with you. I don't really need the church. Like, God has blessed me so much that I don't need the church. Financially, I'm set. Like, I've, I have things going for me very well. I'm, I, I, I know what I'm reading. Like, God just, God's good to me. Like, I don't need the church. And I don't need help from people in the church. And that's when the pastor looked at her and said, 
have you ever considered that there's probably people in the church that then need your help? And so that shifts a couple of things. It shifts our perspective, at least, where we say, okay, so coming to church isn't just about what I can get from other people, but it's also about what I can give to other people. How can I serve? How can I help? How can I be useful in the kingdom of God? So when we're talking about cell groups and we're talking about meeting together, and this is something that I I hope that becomes a thing in our youth, where we gather together and and leaders, people who are more mature, more experienced, they're, they're more Christian, if you may, right? But these people, they, they allow other people to gather together with them. And together we form these, these groups. We form groups where we can love one another, serve one another on a, on a deeper level, on a personal level. Text, talk, you know, go out places, eat, but do it consistently. Some people receiving, others people giving, and, and then as, as people grow, then the people that just receive can give as well. That is the way the church of Jesus Christ grows. And so when we're, 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 there's so much things in the church. I just can't go over the list, but there's media, just the, 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 the actual microphones that we're speaking through. That's a huge ministry. The video that we watch YouTube videos through, right? Someone's making these videos. Joe is actually like putting them together. That is a huge ministry. Putting the words on the screen. Victor, uh, your friend, thank you so much. There, there's so much to do, right? The greeting team that stands there. No one tells them to, right? No one forces them or pays them and just says, hello. Like we're, we're welcoming you here. That is a ministry, whether that's liberality, whether that is encouragement, whether that is teaching or preaching, whatever it is. And I I, I didn't want to just go through the list and say, well, here's the list, figure it out. I just, I wanted to more today just, just talk about like what, what should I be thinking when I'm thinking about gifts and may God give us grace to not push that aside, but practice those gifts and Finally, how do I practice my gifts only in love? Listen to me, guys, please. Only in love. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, after the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, where it only talks about all these cool gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 says, If I have the gifts of prophecy, right? Or how does it start? The, The tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love. I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Basically, you are nothing. I am nothing. If I have the gifts of prophecy, right? Know all mysteries, all knowledge. If I have all faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And then it talks about like surrendering your body to be burned, giving everything you have to the poor and not having love. Nothing. So all of this is done not because we are under compulsion to like, oh, I guess I have to. But we're doing this because we, through our intimacy with Jesus Christ, are filled to the brim with a love. And true ministry will start. True ministry, true like God, use me in some way, will start. But there has to be intimacy with God. There must be intimacy with God. And if there's no intimacy, there will never be true ministry. 
There will never be consistency inside the church, outside the church, or in my personal growth. Remember we talked about it in the beginning, that there are three reasons why we should care about gifts. Those are the reasons. They help us grow in the church, save people from outside the church, and grow personally. J.D. Greer says the following, and we're going to be praying. He's a pastor, very famous author. He says, without love, even the most radical devotion to God is of no value to him. Listen to this. Let me make sure that sinks in. You can gain all the spiritual gifts in the world. All the spiritual gifts in the world. You can take the most radical steps of obedience. You can share every meal with the homeless in your city. You can memorize the book of Leviticus. You can pray each morning for four hours like Martin Luther. But if what you do does not flow out of a heart of love, a heart that does those things because it genuinely desires to do them, it is ultimately worthless to God. Those are very sobering and yet encouraging words. God today is calling us by this sermon, firstly, to a closer relationship with Him, to greater intimacy with Him. When we become closer to God, true ministry, your calling, your giftings, whatever you call them, will naturally, I promise you, just, just underline that word in your mind, naturally flow out of your life. You will feel fulfilled. You will feel like your life is worth living and experience joy that only obedience brings. Let's stand and let's pray.